So we are um, in the pre-Northwest week of prayer Manchester ministry series um, and I don't know how other people feel, actually I do because there's, there's a buzz going around about how the ministries have been uh, really compelling, uh, powerful ministries so far as we anticipate uh, a week of more concentrated prayer amongst God's people. So the series is Prayer Are People at War, a Praising People, um, a Confessing People, an Expectant People, and an Interceding People, and we're on the penultimate, the Expectant People. I don't know whether I got Brother Woodsy right, but uh, one thing that I wrote down was, a posture of praise promotes a purity of purpose as we pursue powerful prayer. It's a compelling statement. I've been in, um, in Joshua recently, and um, you get to chapter 7, and it's a really sad story of the failure of God's people to conquer Ai because of hidden sin. Uh, it's, a, it's a compelling read. Um, refresh yourself with it. Uh, there's a, a really curious statement in chapter 7. And as Joshua is priming the people that there is hidden sin amongst them, um, and he goes through that amazing filter process, and Achan's, fam, Achan's family bubbles up to the top as the ones who are guilty and need to be dealt with, Achan himself. And when Achan is exposed, Joshua says to him, glorify God, praise him by telling me what you've done. And at that point, Achan knew it was a capital offence. And he would, um, he would be executed as a consequence of that hidden sin. And yet, and Joshua knew that too, and yet there was an element of praise in the act of confession. I think that's, that's an amazing thing for us to think about. And uh, we'll touch on it a little bit uh, more today. But, um, you know, these sessions that we've had have really, my sense is, arrested our attention as the Church of God in Manchester. As we anticipate... Um, not just the Northwest Week of Prayer, but prayer generally. And it's my uh, pleasure to take us to the next step, uh, prayer and expectant people. Uh, I'd like to hang my message on the, uh, under the title, Weight Watchers. Um, and there's a, a text for us, which we'll only refer to um, at the beginning, and it's Colossians 4 verse 2 which says, Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And you'll see um, over the next few minutes how we unpick, using other references in scripture, um, what being watchful in prayer actually means. And it's all um, connected with this concept of being an expectant people. When we pray we should have expectation that as a consequence of our prayer, something will happen. Um, as is my want, I have some key messages, and they're not really key messages, they're actually discoveries. And expecting people, and the things that 
um, I personally have discovered as a consequence of the study. Some of them perhaps are obvious to you, some of them might not be so obvious, and some of them might be worthy of challenge. So if you disagree, it's safe to do that, so long as you tell me at some point, and we can have a discussion about it. But I have six of these discoveries, and the plan for today is I'll identify the six up front, uh, and then we'll go through one by one, and we'll spend um, more time on some than others. So how about this? The principles of personal and collective prayer are the same. The practice of one strengthens the other in a reciprocal way. Both are essential for spiritual health and maturity. Number two, expectant people love to pray regularly together. They do it spontaneously as well as in routine prayer gatherings. Number three, purposeful prayer is an activity something we get involved with. It includes, but is not limited to, speaking, not speaking, watching, waiting, and expecting. Number four. Watching is a companion of purposeful, expectant prayer. It involves soul and body, a kind of blend of a stirred heart, an alert mind, and an awake body. Some amazing challenges um, in that statement. Number five. Waiting is the process of aligning our will with God's will. It is a spiritual activity that's been described as practicing the presence of God. Times of purposeful prayer are an integral part of waiting on the Lord. And number six, expectations from purposeful prayer include the experience of peace, joy, forgiveness, relief, thankfulness, love, challenge, the presence of God, and answers. Prayer without expectation is arguably no prayer at all. We have no right to expect what we don't pray for. Um, you might think, oh my word, what a lot of things for us to be considering. Um, as I say, we'll focus on some more than others, but they're there and I can give you copies of them if uh, you don't have the chance to absorb them today. And it would just be delightful to discuss some of these. Some of them are perhaps a little controversial and um, it would be great to um, share them together. Let's uh, go to Matthew 26. This is going to be the text for uh, reviewing the first four discoveries. And it's, as you may have guessed by now, the account of the Lord in Gethsemane. So Matthew 26, verse 36. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to them, Sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, 
and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little further, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me? Yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Could you men not keep watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter. Watch and pray, so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. He went away a second time and prayed, My father, if it is possible for this cup to be taken away from me, unless I drink it, may your will be done. And we're dealing with the first discovery. The principles of personal prayer and collective prayer are the same. The practice of one strengthens the other, and that's reciprocal. Both are essential for spiritual health and maturity. Was the Lord's Prayer in Gethsemane an individual prayer or a collective prayer? There's a question. I think the answer is it was an individual prayer, but it was shared. Or his expectation was it was appropriate to share it with um, his friends. While our focus in anticipation of a collection of focused church prayer gatherings in the week of prayer, um, I'd like to challenge us with the week of prayer can be more than that. It's not just about showing up for our assembly prayers, but we can engage in the Northwest District Churches of God week of prayer in lots of different ways, as well, of course, as showing up. One of the things that's, in my experience, very precious about praying with someone else is the impact that it has. This is an incredibly intimate prayer that the Lord um, was praying to his Father. And the circumstances, you know, the night before his sufferings at Calvary and his dealing for all of time and all of mankind with the penalty of sin. An amazing time in the Lord's life. And he was before his father in, in prayer at this crucial time. And he chooses it to, uh, he chooses to make it an opportunity for those he's closest to, to listen in. Imagine the privilege of a personal invitation to go and listen to the Lord praying. An amazing thing. What would be worse, not to show up or to show up and fall asleep in the process? Quite a shocking um, thing for the disciples to have done. Um, I just encourage us to reflect on our times of prayer together um, I'm thinking beyond just our own private prayer that's not our subject today our subject is collective prayer um, it's our privilege to go beyond our private prayer and to engage in prayer with each other in a church context or just as um, brothers and sisters who love each other and have a care for each other Hebrews 4 and 16, let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence 
so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. The disciples had an amazing invitation. So do we. And our challenge is, number one, to show up. And number two is um, to get ourselves into a position where we're engaged and not sleeping, be that literally or metaphorically. Staying in Matthew 26, let's look at our next discovery. Expecting people love to pray together, they do so spontaneously as well as in routine prayer gatherings. I wonder how much our homes are homes of prayer. And this is a personal challenge for me and my home as much as anybody else. Um, The disciples observed the behaviour of the Lord and they saw how um, much zeal he had for God's house. And one of the comments he said is, you know, my house will be a prayer, a house of prayer for all nations. And that's true of God's people. We're talking about an essential uh, component of our corporate responsibility is to gather together and to pray. But a real challenge is, are we limiting that activity just to the assembly prayers? And we so enjoy each other's company, don't we? And how reluctant are we, for some reason, to engage in, in prayer? I think expecting people love to pray together. And that should characterise our relationship. So I would encourage prayer partnerships. Uh, you might think, way this is a bit in our face. Because um, sometimes we might feel, well, you know, I'm a private person. Last thing I would want to do is pray with somebody else. Well, it's scriptural. And there was no more intimate prayer than the Lord made in Gethsemane. And he saw the importance and the value of sharing it with his friends. So I would encourage us to make our homes places of prayer. Um, And that means when we're together, have an opportunity, grasp the opportunity to pray. I would encourage prayer partnerships. Find someone who's like-minded, a brother or sister, and pray together. If it's your spouse, great. If it's not, um, that doesn't matter. Still a great opportunity. I would encourage us to attend the District Week of Prayer. Um, now, there is a little bit of a caveat. where We have busy lives and it might be that there are reasons why we can't attend all of those meetings. And there's, there's family issues that um, are important. But I would just encourage us all, including myself, that we need to put our, our heart and soul behind the Northwest District Week of Prayer and be there. An appeal to my fellow brothers, participate. Um, what a privilege to be invited into the presence of God with his people and as a brother, a privilege that sisters don't have to um, pray on behalf of your fellow brothers and sisters in the church. 
I would just encourage all brothers to to engage in it, and it, it's tough. You know, if you if you're not used to that, um, there's barriers to overcome. But it it's thrilling. I, I can honestly say, I just love the assembly prayer meetings, and they have an impact when you um, when you go and you don't feel like going. It's very rare that you come away thinking well, I would have been better staying at home. <laughs> Maybe that has happened very occasionally. But they're an uplifting, joyful experience. Um, last Tuesday's prayer time was almost single-themed. It was the day that Sandy was called home and the whole assembly was engaged in celebrating before God the faithfulness of the man and the impact he's had on our lives and Lilius and her family and what comes next who wouldn't want to engage in that um, please brothers I would just encourage you to, um, to engage and when you've done it once it's not such a big deal really and um, perhaps those of us who are longer in the tooth and long winded as well perhaps should be a bit more sensitive to that if you don't know what to pray for um, we'll come back to that in, in a second. We're on discovery three. Purf- purposeful prayer is an activity, something we get involved with. It includes, but is not limited to, speaking, not speaking, watching, waiting, and expecting. Um, I brought the your five a day. Uh, booklets and put them on this chair here and see some of them dotted around the hall already Um, prayer is an activity if you are active it means sorry I'm talking to myself as well if I am active it means I'm doing something if I'm passive uh, I'm not doing anything and it is possible to somehow engage in the assembly prayers in a passive way it's to show up and Our mind is elsewhere. We'll we'll come to that in a second. But there is a superb way of engaging each one of us, whatever our circumstances, whether we're too busy to attend, uh, whether we're struggling with health or transport, whatever it might be to attend, um, I would encourage you to pick up one of these and be active, actively engaged in the um, District Week of Prayer. It's actually... um, when you look through it, quite a cool document. It gives you an opportunity to reflect on some Bible verses, to pray for specific things, and also to, to write something down. I'm a real avid note-taker, as some of you may notice. Wouldn't it be great if everyone in the assembly had one of these, and by the end of the week of prayer, it was covered in notes, as they had, um, as we together have engaged, scribbling down the things that the Spirit brings to our minds as we um, pray. You know, we're still in Gethsemane and we have that contrast. We have the passiveness of the disciples, disengaged, present but disengaged, exhausted. Um, It's interesting, I think it's in Luke's account. um, It says that they were were sleeping out of sorrow and um, they'd just been, you know, in the upper room. And perhaps the penny was beginning to drop as to what was coming next. 
And perhaps they had seen something of the Lord's anticipation of Gethsemane, even though they slept through his prayer. Um, it's so important for us to be a people who are active. The Lord was, um, to say active is, uh, is an understatement. He was consumed, overwhelmed, uh, and that was what prompted him to pray the prayer he has. Um, wouldn't it be great if we were a people who were overwhelmed with the delight to pray, to pray and the, the burden that we have from God to pray for specific things. And this is a real powerful um, aid. Uh, your five a day, I just encourage us to, to use that. We're on number four. Number three, uh, just to, to kind of go back on that, it says purposeful prayer is an activity, something we get involved with. It includes speaking, not speaking, um, that means listening, or being silent, um, watching, waiting, and expecting. And from what you've seen, you'll, you'll see that we're going to now focus in the last three on what's meant by watching, waiting, and expecting. So we'll go with watching first. Watching is a companion of purposeful, expectant prayer. It involves soul and body, a kind of blend of a stirred heart, an alert mind, and an awake body. Back to Matthew 26, verse 38. Then the Lord said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Verse 40. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Could you not keep watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Verse 45. Then he returned to his disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour is near. Watching is... Um, Literally, staying awake. It's being sleepless. It's keeping vigil, keeping a lookout. Temptation is all around us. Um, you know, the, it's interesting that when the Lord said, watch and pray so that you won't fall into temptation, it wasn't watch and pray and you won't be tempted. It was you won't succumb, you won't fall into it. What a... What a um, a strange expression, falling into temptation. And you get the impression that you, you kind of trip. Uh, you're tripped up and all of a sudden temptation has overtaken us. Um, and this statement that the Lord was saying is that the antidote to falling into temptation for being tripped up is watching and praying. <coughs> Watching requires us to stay alert. Um, and we can apply this principle, I was saying in, in Discovery 1, that the principles of prayer are the same for personal and collective prayer. And this business of staying alert is something that 
um, we should be thinking about in our own personal prayers. And it's got a lot to do with our, our posture. Um, how many times do we have our quiet time and we're in such a comfortable posture that the last thing we are is alert. In fact, we're almost, you know, inevitably going to drop off. And um, purposeful prayer is about getting ourselves into that posture um, where we're a little bit uncomfortable, I mean physically uncomfortable, so that if we're tired, which inevitably we will be, then really dropping off to sleep isn't an option. Um, the Lord said to his disciples, the um, spirit is willing, that's the um, heart's desire was willing, but the flesh is weak. And I, I would just put it to us that um, effective, purposeful prayer needs um, both of those things together. We need a willing spirit. Our motivation needs to be right and our body needs to be <laughs> up for it. And if our body isn't up for it, then don't do it. Find a time when we can be alert physically and mentally and spiritually. I mentioned in the discovery that it's about heart stirring. Um, that was mentioned, I think, in the remembrance. I can't remember... Uh, which brother used that expression but it's about having hearts stirred I think a, a really essential part of our prayer times even our collective prayer times is that we have our hearts stirred that was evident wasn't it in the um, prayer meeting we had on Tuesday night as I've already mentioned it's um, the spirit of God coming amongst his people and burdening our hearts with the things that he would have us pray for. The, the Lord in Gethsemane is a supreme example of how watching and praying uh, eliminates falling into temptation. I know it's inconceivable that he would, but the whole context of Gethsemane is the Lord pouring his heart out to his Father. Is it possible? Is it possible for this to be taken away from me? You know, there's an element of temptation going on there, I think. And by his um, commitment to his Father and his prayer, then he didn't fall into the temptation, if we can call it that, of having his own way I think it's inconceivable that we fall into temptation if we're praying in this purposeful and spirit led way with a stirred heart with an alert mind and an awake body let's resolve to keep uh, watch with him and to pray I was reflecting on how the Lord must have felt when he came back to his disciples and they were only a stone's throw away and he found them asleep after what he'd been through and such a disappointment. I wondered why the Lord prayed three times. 
I think he prayed three times for perhaps a number of reasons, not least because it's a demonstration of his earnestness before God. Repetition is entirely appropriate uh, when the Lord gives us a burden. But I'm just wondering also, he came back and found them asleep. He woke them up and he said, I'm going to do it again. You know, the, the Lord wants us to stay alert and engaged um, in prayer. Back to our um, text for our weight watching, Colossians 4 verse 2. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Number five. Waiting is the process of aligning our will to God's will. It is a spiritual activity that has been described as practicing the presence of God. Times of purposeful prayer are an integral part of waiting on the Lord. You might think that, statement, that last statement's a bit back to front, that prayer involves waiting. I think it's the other way around. Waiting is a bigger, all-embracing activity, and it involves prayer. Have a think about that. Um, there are so many scriptures about waiting on the Lord. Um, lots to choose from. It's a really uh, beautiful study. But let's go to Psalm 130. It's one of the songs of the ascent. Psalm 130. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy. If you, O Lord, kept a record of sins, O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness. Therefore, you are feared. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits. And in his word I put my hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than the watchman wait for the morning. More than the watchman wait for the morning. O Israel, put your hope in the Lord. For with the Lord is unfailing love, and with him is full redemption. He himself will redeem Israel from all their sins. There's both active and passive waiting. Now I've got all your attention, I think. So people were once looking down, and now they're looking up. That's an example of active waiting. Active waiting is when you're expecting something to happen. Passive waiting is where actually you don't really know whether it's going to happen, and you don't care anyway. The waiting we're talking about, waiting on the Lord, is active waiting. It's a really interesting word. In Hebrew, it has the, um, the thought of um, things being woven together. So you're kind of waiting because there's, there's a, a combining of things going on. It's not um, idle waiting and nothing happening. And I, I would put it to us that as we wait on the Lord, there are two things happening. One is I'm waiting and I'm actively waiting because I have an expectation that something's going to happen. And while I'm waiting, he's, he's working. He's weaving his plans together 
such that when the time is right, then um, my waiting will stop and my expectation will be fulfilled. It is possible for us to get into a situation where our waiting on the Lord becomes completely passive. You get a little bit in um, in Second Peter where it talks about the promise of the Lord's return and he reflects back on the days of Noah and um, you know the, the flood had been uh, predicted and um, the people were mocking Noah you know where where is this God they were um, ridiculing him because they had no expectation that it would happen um, it's possible for us to to pray and for it to be hollow because we have no expectation that God is going to maybe even hear or never mind answer <coughs> our prayers I mentioned that um, it's uh, in the discovery it's the waiting process is, is an alignment of wills and it's not me waiting till God sees my my side of the situation and adjusts his plans oh, okay then it's about um, me waiting for his working to be accomplished so that by his um, great sovereign authority and power um, my will gets aligned with his how often do we struggle with the issue of knowing God's will and there are some really key decisions that we have to make in life and um, we so would love to know God's will in it because the last thing we want to, want to do is go against God's will well here is the the answer to knowing God's will it's waiting actively with a spirit of expectation um, a big component being praying together praying as individuals and in that process God's will will be revealed and it's his will that's um, evolving in our experience it's fixed of course but in our experience it's evolving and um, will be revealed probably what we've said so far about waiting on the Lord it's, it finds its place more comfortably in our individual lives but um, we're talking about our prayers as an assembly and I just encourage us to be thinking about waiting on the Lord for what we do together in service for him and it's what we do it's how we do it it's which of us engages in which aspect of service because we can't all do everything and it's about waiting for his blessing as well and what a, a wonderful orientation to have on our assembly prayers or on our prayers as prayer partners that this activity of praying together is a component of waiting on the Lord and the amazing thing is as we wait and as we pray his will is revealed and we start to see responses um, and fulfilment to our prayers our final uh, discovery expectations from purposeful prayer include peace, joy, forgiveness, relief, thankfulness, love, challenge, the presence of God and answers. 
Prayer without expectation is arguably no prayer at all. We have no right to expect what we don't pray for. My mind, uh, before I went, before I wrote the statement, my mind went to Acts 12. Acts 12 is that amazing prayer meeting. We'll probably discuss it next week when we're talking about um, uh, making requests and um, supplications for other, other people or for things that we desire. And in Acts 12, the, um, the, the disciples are play, praying for the release of Peter. And curiously, it seems like they had no expectations that he would be released because when he was, it was uh, a total shock. So that kind of um, would dismiss my statement that um, prayer without expectation is arguably no prayer at all. I think there might be exceptions. But if we don't come together to pray in a spirit of expectation, then my contention is we may as well not do it at all. We're kind of going through the motions and it's empty. So we, I would encourage us to cultivate a spirit of expectation in our, in our prayers. Um, Psalm 62, verse 5. Psalm 62 is for the director of music for Jejuthun, a psalm of David. And verse 5 says, My soul waits silently for God alone, for my expectation is from him. I want to put to us that um, waiting on the Lord and having an expectation are inextricably linked. So if we are watching, and I see that happening in the activity of prayer, having a stirred heart, an alert mind, and an awake body, if we're watching, if we're waiting, that is we're um, anticipating the Lord's will in our prayers or a revelation of the Lord's will in our prayers these things together cultivate an expectation Psalm 40 1 to 3 I wait patiently for the Lord he turned to me and heard my cry he lifted me out of the slimy pit out of the mud and mire he set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand he put a new song in my mouth a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. I have one more um, passage and we're, we're nearly done, but let's go to Isaiah 40, very familiar territory. And we're looking at the link between waiting on the Lord and developing, cultivating a spirit of expectation. Verse 27 of Isaiah 40 Why do you say, O Jacob? And complain, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, my cause is disregarded by my God. Do you not know, have you not heard, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth? He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary, and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall, but those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will not walk and not be faint. <coughs> Isaiah 40 is full of amazing promises. And that's where our expectation comes from. If we wait on the Lord, his uh, promise is that um, he will give us the strength that we're looking for.
I think a, a key question, and um, maybe I'll just pose the question actually, and then leave it hanging because our time's done, and I'm on next week as well. Um, so I'll pose the question, and then we'll address the um, the answer to it when we're together next week. But the question is, what are appropriate expectations from prayer? We've talked about watching and waiting um, and the attitudes. So what should our expectation be? And some of them, some of the expectations might be very obvious, like, well, I expect him to answer. <laughs> if I'm praying for something, then I expect an answer. Well, that's perhaps one of a number of expectations that we might have. So, a um, bit of a cliffhanger perhaps, but let's park that question. If we're cultivating a spirit of expectation as God's people, the Church of God in Manchester, what should our expectations be as we pray to God together? Shall we pray?